you're engaged in a position and you're working for a company and you're part of the team, you should be asking, am I stamping my passport? And if you're not stamping your passport for this larger career journey that you're looking for, then you should probably consider your options. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Before we get going on this episode, if you find this show and content provides value to you, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a rating and a review on your podcast app. And if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Both really do help the show get found by new listeners, and we're all about getting more people in on the conversations we're having here. So with that, my guest today is Thad Price. He's the CEO of Talru, a data-driven job advertising platform that helps hiring managers reach the candidates they need to build their essential workforce. It's hard to get your head around the changes in the labor market over the past couple of years, and especially over the past few months. We've gone from mass layoffs to the great resignation to regret over changing companies. Pay, benefits, and company culture dominate discussions on both job boards and within boardrooms and many people have just decided to simply go their own way, seeking the stability in starting their own companies or diving deeper into the gig economy. No matter how you look at it, recruiting and retention is more complicated than ever. This discussion tries to simplify some of that complexity as we dive into recruiting psychology. Thad brings a lot of great insight into the current labor situation, and I'm sure there's something here that will help if everything you've tried so far hasn't worked. So let's get to it. This is episode 103 of the Proven Principles podcast, Thad Price on the mindset that will improve your recruiting game. Enjoy. Thad, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Talru? What do you guys do? Yeah, so Talru is a talent attraction platform. We help companies find unique audiences and advertise their jobs to attract top of funnel candidates um, that they need to make hires and to grow their business. I was just saying in our little preamble before starting to record here, we had an intro call a while ago to talk about the outline for the show. And it just feels like everything has changed. Everything that we talked about doing the show about a couple months ago it is just not the case anymore. So I would just love to get your hot take on where are things at right now from your perspective? It's an interesting market. You know, I think that, you know, just as we've seen in other markets, um, how, you know, we're, we're, we were in this area of pent up demand. And, um, then of course, um, <laughs> then of course decisions are made, right? People are buying, people are spending, people are focused on, um, they're feeling good about things, so to speak. Um, and now we're in this inflationary world that is very different now than, you know, even a few months ago. And I think, you know, what we're seeing from the labor market is we're seeing people, um, uh, kind of take a step back, right. And pause some of their, um, you know, some of their efforts in finding the job, a job that's right for them or pausing some of their efforts and actually being what I like to refer to as career uh, curious <laughs> and career <laughs> curious is, oh, well, maybe there's something else better for me out there. And so typically what you see is when you see, um, you know, pressures, uh, you know, in the economy, folks aren't as aggressive in their career as they normally would be. And so, you know, what's weird is we kind of have this story of two labor markets, right? We've got this labor market that is, um, you know, basically professional 
the professional labor market and white collar labor market. And then we have the essential worker in the, in the blue collar labor market. And so what I think has been really interesting is, is you've seen some of the um, layoffs happen um, in the market over the last few months. A lot of those companies are, are uh, fast growing technology companies, um, products, companies that have raised a lot of funding um, to essentially um, you know, grow their way to profitability. And I think you know a lot of this. What we're seeing is folks trimming because debt is a lot more expensive than it used to be. And so it's when you have to make those choices of, well, I need to service debt because you know maybe I'm I'm trying to grow at a certain rate to achieve a certain outcome. Um, well, the only way the 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 I, I shouldn't say easy, but the the way to um, make change is to make changes in your labor force. And I think you're seeing some of that. Uh, from a lot of companies. Then, of course, we have on the on the essential worker blue collar industry. It's very different. There's still high need, a lot of high need, and um, employment is still down in some cases. Um, roughly 1.2 million um, employment employment still down. 1.2 million um, in in essentially hospitality and leisure and, and other industries um, pre COVID compared to pre COVID. So there's still there's again, there's this tale of two labor markets, I feel right now. And I think what's driving that is, you know, there's a lot of focus on wages, there's a lot of focus on benefits, and there's a lot of focus on flexibility. And <laughs> there's a lot of focus on, you know, being able to ensure that you can work when you want to work and be cognizant of what's important for a lot of um, for a lot of workers. And that's of course their family, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is paramount in the hospitality industry. It's been that way forever where you're, you're working on holidays. Um, you know, you, whatever anybody else is off, they're staying with you or eating with you. So you've got to work and service them. And that's, that's a tough thing for people to get their head around. It always has been. It's tough. And it's tough when you, you have to want it and feel it. Excuse me. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you think of this, I, I, I chat a lot about, um, you know, we've all talked about the clearing wage. You know, what is it? What does it take to? What do you need to pay someone to get them to come to work in your position at your organization? And there are some other implications to kind of that clearing wage uh, thought process as well. And so, what I tend to share with a lot of companies is, I think we have to rethink the wage because the wage is a piece of it, but it's really about the clearing opportunity. And the clearing opportunity is, what other things are you going to offer me? that are going to allow me to have and embrace um, a more balanced uh, work and life, <laughs> which is what we all talk about, work and, you know, work-life balance. And that's really important for you know, hospitality and, and the leisure industry as well, because you need that, right? And people need to think about where they can go and grow with a company. And that needs to be the, that needs to be the expectation set with you know, companies in their recruiting um, strategy and really thinking about recruitment marketing and what it means um, for, for a strategy for a lot of companies. Yeah. It seems to me that to your point, you, you said this really well, we're in this really difficult position because even if you go a couple of layers deeper, okay. So, uh, you, you go out and you try to get a job at a hotel or restaurant and you, you get hired, but there's, X number of other open recs that just can't be filled. So there's still a lot of vacancy and you get this, this job 
expansion where you, and it's not just for new hires. It could be people that survived through the pandemic, right? And so they thought they were going to do one thing and they're doing that one thing plus 10 or 15 other job functions. Um, and they may or may not have received a, a benefit increase or a wage increase or a change in how schedules happen and all that. Um, and I recently heard a term uh, that describes where probably a lot of people are at right now because of that that lived experience uh, where they're quiet quitting. <laughs> where Which it's funny to put a name to because it's just basically doing the bare minimum to not get fired, <laughs> which is... What a lot of people, you know, anecdotally, you kind of run into a lot of these people in your career, but it, they've put a word to it, which, you know, makes me think that this is a uh, kind of a bigger phenomenon now that is just another layer of complication that employers need to deal with. Well, you think, you think of customer service, right? You think of the, the biggest reason why you, you want to travel or you want to stay at a certain location or a certain chain, or you want to eat at a certain restaurant you know, I would say in a lot of my conversations, okay, your product is the food, your product is the experience, but the service is what is in many cases so important to people. And you can have a terrific, you know, experience at a hotel, experience meaning the product, right? The furnishings, everything that's there. But when it comes to customer service, if you had a if you have a terrible customer service experience, will you ever rebook? Probably not. And the same mm -hmm. thing goes for a restaurant, regardless of how great the food is. <laughs> if you have terrible customer service, most people won't go back to, you know, to a restaurant. And I think that's what's really important right now is customer service, customer service is paramount to, um, to business. And I think we're seeing that over and over again. And the businesses that embrace this idea of a customer first mentality are the ones that are going to win in uh, in whatever market, <laughs> in whatever the market that looks like. And yeah. I think in your hiring process, I think there needs to be a lot of focus on passion and customer service because passion is the difference maker between a good employee and a great employee. Um, and when 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 it gets hard, you know, someone that's passionate about what they're doing, that's that's um, focused, you know, the service. Even 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 when things get hard, they'll still provide the service you need to your customers, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that can be purchased is not a differentiator in your business. You can you every anybody can buy great furniture. Anybody can buy great design. Anybody can buy really good steaks and cook. Not anybody can cook them well, but like there's a lot of people that could cook really good steaks. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the intangibles and that's, that's the service. And to get people to care about delivering great service, you've got to have a reason for them to want to do that. And right. And the other, the other piece of this is if, if you don't provide as an employer, great service to your employees, how can you expect your employees to provide great service to your customers? And I think that's a time honored statement that we miss in the relationship between an employer and an employee, right? You're, you know, it's, um, I had a, a mentor and a former, um, former boss, and he would always say the customer signed your paycheck. There's a, there's a great book about it. You know, it says right. customer signed your paycheck, right? Yeah. And so I yeah. think we have to think about that service mentality is, you know, it's all about the customer. It's all, we have to be fanatical about 
you know, providing that level of service. And so we have to, in our hiring processes, make that a priority and ensure that that's so important because, you know, you'll lose business because you're not providing that level of service. And so if you think of the relationship between the team member and the employer, if you're providing them great service in employee benefits, being there for them, holding one-on-ones, all the things that need to happen so that they know where they can go and grow within an organization, um, that's what it's all about. And I think we forget the basics, right? I have a lot of folks that ask me, well, how do you start? How do you, how do you think about you know, career track planning? And, and I think what happens in a lot of businesses is they, they go too deep and they miss the basics. And you know, the basics that I share with people is, well, all, everything in life starts with a conversation. You know, the first question is, is are, you having, are you having dedicated one-on-ones with your team members where their career is a topic of discussion? And I'm not talking about when there's only a problem, you have a one-on-one. I'm talking about like a dedicated time every month where you're saying, hey, you know, how are we doing for you? Where are you going? Where do you want to go in your career? How can I help you? Is there some training I can provide? Are there workshops? You know, what, what can I do? And instead, people get, in some cases, paralyzed because they're trying to create this very elaborate plan of, of career track planning for people. And really, people just want to talk about it. And I always tell leaders, you know, like I said, <laughs> everything, everything in life starts with a conversation. And I think people can have that conversation in a very simple way that is so meaningful for the team members and will really enforce, you know, a culture of um, collaboration, career collaboration. And I think career collaboration is what most people are looking for. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point. I actually just had this conversation a couple of days ago with somebody and a lot of that collaborative conversation comes down to making sure that you've got the right person doing the right thing. And there's sometimes there's, and I experienced this myself it, through my career, I'm sure other listeners have too, where you're doing something, you're doing a job because you have a destination that you think will fulfill you or a destination in your career where you, you know, you think you're going to be happy. And a lot of that is driven around status and money and, you know, some prestige and maybe a little bit of control and power within your organization. But that may not be the place that brings you fulfillment. That may not be the thing that gives you energy every single day. And so these mentor, you kind of put air quotes around mentoring, but these mentoring or career conversations oftentimes are all about helping the person you're talking to find the thing that they like to do where it's a good fit for them, where maybe they require less training because they have natural talents or, you know, pick, pick your thing, right? But, you know, you're, if you're not a good basketball player, all the training in the world is never going to get you to a place where you can play professionally. We hear that analogy all the time. It's exactly the same thing in the workplace. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I think, um, you know, there's businesses that I, that understand that and understand that, you know, we, we, we share internally that it's about a passport, right? When you're work, when you're engaged in a position and you're working for a company and you're part of the team, you should be asking, am I stamping the pat, am I stamping my passport? And if you're not stamping your passport to, for this, larger career journey that you're looking for, then, you know, you should probably consider your options. Um, but you should be looking at this passport. And I think what typically happens is a lot of 
overachievers want to immediately get to the final destination. And what I've shared in my experience is that that's not always the best route because you learn a lot through each stop along your journey and getting your passport stamped. And if you immediately you know, want to hit your final destination, um, then you're not as successful as you think you may be because you haven't had those stops along the way. And so I think what I share with a lot of our team is you know, what tends to happen with overachievers and great talent is they're always looking for what's tomorrow. And you want to embrace that with, with them. You want to help them see that they can move in that direction. But you know, the company has hired you to, um, to basically provide value in your current position. And so, you know, where I think where I think the team member and the employer relationship can sometimes have some issues is the 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 team member is looking they want to be here and they were hired for, you know, a position that right, to fulfill a certain goal. And so they end up skipping over that position and they're going straight to where they want to go. And so then they're like, "Look at me, I'm doing this job that I want to do, but the company doesn't need you to do that job right now." And so what I always encourage people to say is like, look, every company, most companies, if you have an engaged team leadership that's watching you and understanding what you're doing and is having these conversations, they will see that you're going above and beyond. They will recognize it and they will have those great conversations with you when they do recognize it. If they don't, then you should probably look for you know another team, <laughs> but they will see that. Yeah. Um, and so if they see that and they see that you're doing the job that you were hired to do and you're looking to do the job that you want to do, that's what it's all about. And most companies, you know, with a very engaged team will see that and they'll say, all right, it seems like you've been doing, you know, you've been doing a great job at your job that you were hired to do. You're also looking to learn more in this direction. How can I help you achieve that? You know, so training mentorship opportunities, whatever that may be. And so I think that the big, the big challenge for some folks is, you know, you can't just run off and do the job you want to do. You got to do the job that the business needs you to do and mm-hmm. do the job that you want to do in your spare time. And the, if it's a good business, they'll recognize you and reward you with some type of, uh, you know, plan and career track in the future. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to provide value up front, don't you? And it's, uh, it's still no, in, in spite of everything that has gone on in, in the, um, I just, all, I mean, all industries, I guess, over the last two years here, that, that has always been true. And that continues to be true today, that it's still incumbent on the, if you want to move up and be successful, the employee still has to show value to the organization. And you'll be, hopefully you'll be rewarded for that. And if you're not rewarded for it, then there's plenty of other organizations out there that want to have you. Absolutely. One thing that strikes me though, in this, just in this little conversation here is, is that this is something that should be practiced and demonstrated through the recruiting process. You alluded to this right at the start. And maybe we already answered this question, but from your perspective, what can organizations do right now to make their recruiting process more strategic, more than just like throwing up a job ad and saying, Hey, we'll give you a, you know, a thousand dollar signing bonus. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I think you have to look at every step of the process. So I like to think that recruiting is like sales and, you know, and 
recruiting needs marketing, just like sales needs marketing um, to basically provide a, a great outcome and provide value for the business. And so the first thing that I would do is there are a couple of things that I like to assess. And the first thing is, is so many people I think are like, I need to hire these people. And, you know, my, my thought process is, well, you just don't go recruiting. You, you build a strategy around it. Just as your marketing team builds a strategy around your marketing, you know, what you're looking to do and the audiences you're looking to attract, everything you're looking to do to basically attract customers, you should think about how can I attract candidates? And what, what does that strategy look like? So it's not a, you know, it's not, let's just go recruiting. We have to have the strategy around it. We have to understand it. And there are a lot of pieces to that needed. Um, and a, a great example is when you think about recruiting folks in marketing, there's this idea of ideal customer persona, right? Who are you look, what's the audience you're looking to attract to, um, to buy your product? And, and then once you have that, then you understand, okay, where, where am I going to advertise in order to attract that audience? Well, the same thing is true with recruiting. If you think of the folks you want to hire and you want to essentially engage in your pipeline, your candidate pipeline and your hiring pipeline, you have to have the conversation of the ideal candidate persona. You know, talk to your hiring managers. Think about what makes a successful hire. What are you looking for? Where may these people hang out that you're looking to attract? What is going to bring your company success. And so it all, it all starts there. So that's really important. The second thing is be as, tra- be as transparent as you can in the job ad, in the all-powerful job ad. And what I mean by that is, is I had a, an individual I was, um, I was interviewing a few weeks ago on our, on our team. And uh, she shared with me, she said she believed retention started with the job ad. And I was like, that was really interesting. I'd never thought about it like that. But she said that in many cases in HR, if you're not open and candid about what the balance looks like in the job ad of real life, then you could have a retention issue. So you may have hired someone, but you could have a retention issue because it may not be um, as, as specific as the job ad shows. And so that was really interesting too, uh, that she shared that. And I, I, I mentioned to her that I thought that that was super interesting insight. Isn't that the truth? Like how many times have you gone in to get a job and it's just nothing like you thought it was going to be, you feel like you got like the rug pulled out from you. It's like, Oh, everybody was so nice in the interview process. And you get in and like a week after starting, you're like, this place sucks. I can't, I can't do this job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're right. It's, I think transparency is so important, you know, there and, but not fluff, right? There's a difference between, yes, you need to interest the reader, you know, like we've all learned in, in writing, <laughs> um, in the past. Podca- but, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, and so it's very important. And the third thing that I think a lot of folks miss, and I think this is really important in, in hospitality is know your competitors. And I think it's probably, especially as competitive as the market is. and um, and what do you, what do I, what do I mean by that? Um, you know, in, in sales and marketing, there are things called battle cards and the battle cards are, if you're selling your product against another product, how, what, how are you better? Right. And so there's a battle card for each you know, company you're selling against. And when I think about what you can do for recruiting, I think of something similar, right? If you're in a resort destination and there are a number of properties you should try to think about 
how, what's your offer compared to another destination, right? And how are you going to ensure that you're an employer of choice for the candidate and for the person? And, and that's really important. And that, does, that doesn't happen overnight, right? That takes a lot of brand. That takes a lot of reputation um, investments on your end, but you have to start somewhere. So, the, so what I would say to that is what's so important about that is by understanding your competitors, you can figure out what, you're, what you need to do and how you're different. And, you know, great example. You go on Glassdoor, you look at your competitor, and you read the reviews. And what are you hearing that people are complaining about working there? Maybe it's, you know, I, the, the manager isn't very flexible or you know, PTO is limited or, you know, pay is lower than average, all these different things. You can form a plan of how your opportunity and your business is going to be more effective for the candidate just from those data points, Mm -hmm. right? And take that to your team and say, hey, it looks like, you know, this company over here is offering eight days PTO. I feel like we can be more competitive with 10. Use that in the way that you think about structuring and competing for talent. And I think people forget to to I think people forget that is that we are in we are in this um, it is a very competitive market it's and and regardless yeah. of the market it's always competitive for great talent you know economy uh, <laughs> economy in in recession or not great talent is just always hard to find <laughs> isn't that the truth yeah that's true and it's not always about reinventing the wheel that's where I think a lot of people get hung up but I could tell you from from my experience in building my own company, I mean, I do not speak marketing. My brain doesn't even, I just, I'm not wired that way. And so I've needed a lot of help to get to very obvious destinations for people that do marketing, you know, are just like, why aren't you doing these 10 things? I'm like, I didn't even think of those 10 things. Well, that's, I think the same thing when companies are trying to figure out what the right recruiting or retention strategies for them, they think they got to come up with all of these new ideas and that stalls any forward progress. And you just gave a really good piece of advice there is just look what everybody else is doing. And if it's working for them, straight up steal it, emulate it and do it yourselves. And if you could iterate on something that they're already doing and do it slightly better, you're going to win. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. All the answers are there, especially, you know, we're in a more transparent recruiting environment than we've ever been. And so you can use a lot of that competitive data to be able to form what your strategy, you know, looks like. I mean, imagine, you know, so that's, that's a good statement. The other thing that I would say, as I said earlier about building brand and how brand reputation is so important, you know, a, 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 you know, low cost investment that I always encourage companies to look at. It's more time. It's not really a, there isn't really a monetary investment required. It's just all about time is start to figure out how you can look at your market, look at your area and how you can compete in some of the best places to work in your local area. So, um, when we moved to, when we moved to Austin from, uh, the Bay area about almost 10 years ago, nine years ago. And the first thing that we found was that, you know, in the Bay area, it was really hard because we were competing against, you know, Facebook and Google and, you know, all Apple, all of the big guys for, Mm -hmm for engineering talent. But the thing that was really interesting for us about Austin, it was still a small town at that point, again, almost 10 years ago, it's changed a lot, but it was still a small town. And our thought process was if we can get involved in the community with, um, you know, the best places to work in 
with a local newspaper, um, the local business journal, uh, Fast 50, all these different awards and recognition within the, within the um, local market, we could have folks seek us out for, um, for positions because we were an employer of choice. choice. Mm. And I always give this, um, regardless of the industry, I always give this advice to, to teams because it really is a great way to increase your visibility in a local market and if you're worried about, you know, if folks think that you're an employer of choice, that's another issue. And it provides you some guidance on where you may need to spin your effort to, you know, become an employer of choice. So folks seek you out as the place, you know, to, to hang their hats uh, and grow their career. Do those, I have to ask you, since you brought it up, do those awards, do you think they really mean much? Because you see that all the time. There's, there's like a award season for... Yeah. You know, different employer of choice or best employer in the city, whatever. Like, do they, I think work because I know that job seekers look for them. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. just moving to, we've hired a number of folks where they were just moving to Austin. And the first thing they did in their, you know, in their search was, you know, best places to work in Austin and looked at the companies that won, you know, these awards. And so they do work, you know, is it, is it a, is it a magic bullet? Absolutely not. Is it part of an overall strategy? it's part of an overall strategy and I think it's important. And again, there's some, um, there's some value in seeing how your team member, where, where you need to focus as a team member as well mm-hmm. on your team. Um, you're, you're neck deep uh, every day in talking with clients and, and reading the trends and seeing what's going on out there. What, from your perspective, do workers want today? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe high level. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing they want, um, well, let me, I'll share how it changed. (laughs) So let's go back, I would say, um, four years ago. And, you know, four years ago, everything that we could find was about pay. Pay was, pay, pay was very, very important to everyone. Um, and so we surveyed our, we surveyed our candidates, um, a few years ago and pay was still very important, but not as important as it used to be. The second thing that was almost as important as wage, and this is why I think that, you know, changing times, the pandemic, everything that, you know, has brought the work-life balance discussion, um, you know, has elevated that in the minds of job seekers, I believe, and, and employers, is um, flexibility. They want, they, want, they want flexibility, right? They want to be able to um, spend time with their family. They want to be able to structure their shift. They want to be able their shifts for the week. They, they want to be able to have the flexibility and have the buy-in from the employer that we are a flexible, we provide a flexible environment and people are looking for that. And that was quite eye-opening. I mean, the other thing would be, you know, PTO, of course, some of the standard things, but you know, the idea of providing flexibility, I think is really important. And, and, and I will say that I think, you know, we've, in the industry, we've been chatting for a number of years around the um, gig economy, the app-based work economy as a way to generate income. And you have to think about it, right? If you could turn on an app to work when you want to work and immediately start, you know, delivering for Instacart or DoorDash or driving for Uber um, or other, you know, app-based employment, opportunities as well, whether it's TaskRabbit or other systems, 
um, that affords you to the ability to have all the flexibility you want and to work only when you want. That's right. And when you think of how the demand in these marketplaces have increased substantially over the last, you know, three to four years, now there's so much more income earning opportunity in these marketplaces that, you know, it's a competitive threat to a lot of the essential worker um, hiring. And of course, especially in hospitality. So when I think about frontline workers and, and, and folks in that, uh, in that arena and the feedback that I always provide is, you know, when we talked earlier about the clearing opportunity, this is where you have to, this is where you have to sell. You can grow here, right. And you can become right. a manager and you can be a district manager and you can be a director and you can be a VP. And all of this is going to be available for you by, you know, through hard work, passion and hitting your objectives. That is not available through app-based, you know, work because it's transactional. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And that's going to appeal to a, a certain demographic of people that that are interested in climbing the ladder in that way. I th- and I think you're right. We don't, as an industry, do a very good job of having those conversations. Um, it, I have been thinking a lot about the gig economy in hospitality and, and automation. And I think those are just two things that are naturally making their way in. Actually, before the pandemic, we used to hire gig bartenders to come in on, on nights when we needed somebody to, to help out in one of the bars and it worked. Okay. It didn't work great, but it worked okay. I mean, the reliability piece was tricky sometimes, but I think we got in our own way. I think a lot of it didn't work because of how we approached it. And and this is what's so hard sometimes in the hospitality industry, especially at higher levels where, you know, you've got, you've got your standards and your ways of doing things and how you want people to interact with your guests and blah, 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 all of those things. Those are all, those are all very important in most circumstances. But when you're working with gig workers, you cannot infuse culture. You cannot infuse weeks of training and manuals and binders and how to do stuff. It's you, you really just need them to do a specific task. So if you're going, and I think gig workers are a really good stopgap to use if you need them, but you can't expect them to perform at the level of your employees that that you've trained and brought up. So, uh, you know, I think in hindsight, what we could have done better was really strip down what our expectations were. Just, you know, be there, pour a beer, make a, <laughs> make a martini, don't steal, yeah. look presentable. That's about it. That's a good point. And there are, there are a number of companies, um, you know, in our industry that are trying to navigate kind of planning your shifts. Snag a Job has a, a shift planning product as well as um, Poached um, as well. And, you know, great That's great what we used actually. To, great products to think about shifts and and how to navigate that. You know, what I would say is I think the shift, the ability to, um, the ability to focus on shifts is a great potential hire source. And what I mean by that is, is I think if there is this strategy around, Hey, we're going to have, we're, we're going to need to, um, partner and to have kind of more of this gig based labor as we need it overflow as we need it. 
there's probably an interesting opportunity for companies to think about, well, how can I use the gig-based work, the overflow opportunity as an inch, as, as a um, sort of a lead generation opportunity for becoming a, becoming a full-time employee. And what totally. I mean by that is, is maybe you found, maybe there was a really good bartender and how could you get them into the fold? Like, you know, creating a great experience for them where, you know, if they've had five or six shifts, you've, you've given them a t-shirt and, you know, uh, you know, a gift card or something, just something small that in the grand scheme of things, you know, allows them to feel your culture. I think there's probably something there with that. Haven't quite um, figured that out, but I feel that there's probably a really great opportunity to convert some of those people into a company's culture. You know, that is a really excellent point. Because, uh, you know, even if you never fully bring them on, maybe when you post that you need, you know, uh, you, I need a shift at this time and this day, they're more apt to come back and work for you. Because, because you know, the same yeah. is true. The whole discussion here about retention and recruiting and all that and treating people right, just because somebody's a gig worker doesn't mean, doesn't give you the right to treat them terribly when they come into work. If you have the same mindset with them, you could sort of create this sort of disparate workforce that's just sort of mm -hmm. out there that is only available when you need them. And it's the same principle as just hiring a bunch of part-time people that could fill in shifts whenever you need them. It's kind of the same idea. So you bring up a really interesting point there. Plus, plus there's virality and probably in the brand, right? And you think about how folks, you know, especially, um, you know, travel in packs of, 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 uh, totally. of, of workers. And so the idea of like, Hey, you know, someone saying, wow, I just, I just picked up a shift at this, you know, really great, um, restaurant, um, and they gave me a t-shirt and, you know, a gift card. And I felt like loved <laughs> and that they're telling their friends and they're like, well, maybe I'll pick up that shift next time. Or maybe they'll just come and apply directly for you. I think, I think we don't, think in the grand scheme of things, spending $150, you know, is small or a hundred dollars, whatever the, whatever the number is, but could really provide a lot of value long-term in, um, in, um, expanding your talent pool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. Um, before we wrap the show here, you guys have a product called Talru Assist. Um, can you just give us a rundown on what that is and how people might be able to take advantage and maybe assist them? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, so traditionally Tauru works with companies that have an applicant tracking system. So applicant tracking systems, it's somewhat like, think of it like a CRM for, for, um, recruiting and, you know, a lot of applicant tracking systems are built for compliance, but it really is a way that you can access your talent pool. You can connect with candidates uh, those types of uh, roles. What we found is there are some customers um, that, and employers, of course, that aren't looking for full applicant tracking system functionality, and they're looking for um, an automation, a product that automates some of the recruiting process. And uh, so, Tower Assist, with Tower Assist, we advertise your jobs directly to our talent pool. We power about 1.5 billion searches a month. And through powering 1.5 billion searches a month, um, we bring um, job seekers to a chatbot. And the chatbot, you can, you can basically ask a few questions. You can try to qualify them into um, 
potentially being a part of your organization, asking a few questions based on skills that they may have. And then based on that, and you can actually give the job seeker the ability to secure an interview on your calendar directly. And then the reminders happen to get the job seekers uh, to show up for the interview. And the whole idea is we're syncing your Gmail or Outlook, whatever email system you're using. And the whole idea is, is you know, an in- scheduling an interview shouldn't be the ping pong that happens with email. It should just be automated. And that's why we, that's why we refer to it as tower assist. We're like your recruiting assistant and we're putting, you know, interviews on your calendar because you're doing too many other things, especially as a hiring manager, especially in, in hospitality where you're, you know, you're filling in when someone doesn't show up for their shift and you're doing everything. And so the idea is, is how can we, how can we automate some of this process and make it easier for hiring? So, um, so that's Tauru Assist. It's a, it's been an interesting product. We're learning a lot from it. Um, we think that the way that companies, small businesses hire today by posting a job and, you know, getting a resume and then having to follow up and email ping pong and calls and all of that. We think that there is a huge opportunity in the industry to automate that entire process. Mm-hmm. You know, I will share with you that Tower Assist is a first, you know, is, is really the first product in that, in that kind of thought process. We have some other things that we're working on that we're really excited about that help that will help um, and guide an employer through actually writing a job ad that will win talent. And I think, I think in our industry, we put, um, we put the cart in front of the horse. We're asking employers to post a job and, you know, they haven't written it (laughs) and they don't know how much to pay and they don't know the benefits to offer. They don't know the skills, you know, in a lot of ways because they don't have an HR team. And, you know, as a, as a vendor, our job should be to provide data-driven services to help inform employers what they need to, what they need to do to succeed mm-hmm. and, and provide that value to them. And that's that service-minded attitude. It, our job is to make them more successful and we can use data to be able to make them more successful and streamline some of this process and create a better customer experience. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's incredible. I mean, I could think about back, you know, when I was, when I was hiring and even a lot of the anecdotal stories that we heard, um, over the last several months here, where there was a lot of back and forth candidates wouldn't show up. HR would never get back to me, all of that stuff, anything that can cut through that noise and just make it easier, I think. And this is not a paid, this is not an infomercial, but I just think (laughs) it's cool. It's cool to have a tool out there that could, that can help with this kind of thing. And, you know, I've not used it, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure if anybody wanted to, to reach out to you to learn about it, um, you know, it'd be well worth their time. And so speaking of that, if they want to get in touch with you, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and, uh, trade stories of hiring and provide some guidance if needed. And, um, really appreciate the time this, this afternoon. Yeah, that's great. Thad, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was my episode with Thad Price. You can find him on LinkedIn and learn more about Talru at talru.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at The Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. 
Until next time.